0: Hey, Queeros, Cammie here. Well, first of all, you sold out my shows in Lawrence, Kansas, and in Los Angeles. I got three festival shows that are happening this summer, and those were two of them. You already sold them out. But guess what? I'm going to be in Vancouver on May 28th. That's the other one. That's the, this is your th- you, there's only three. So don't screw this up and go to see my show in Vancouver. Uh, can't wait. Also, there's been some new Patreon patrons lately. I see you. Please go to patreon.com slash hatequeers if you want to support the show. We so appreciate it. Shout out to Jordan, Matt, and Sierra who make the show possible. You're my sweeties. Now, today on the show, State Representative Renita Shannon from Georgia. She's running for Lieutenant Governor. We had an awesome chat. I really, really like this person. Um, Please enjoy and uh, let's go.
1: guests introduce themselves would you introduce yourself sure i'm state representative renita shannon i am serving i um, in the georgia house of representatives and i represent decatur which is east atlanta for folks that don't know where decatur is i've been to decatur
0: <laughs> have you yeah uh, yeah i've shot stuff there <laughs> okay. okay um yeah so i've been through there um how how, how are things in georgia right now
1: uh, things are pretty busy right now in Georgia. Things are going well. Um, we've been at the center of the political universe um, because of everything that happened with former President Trump trying to get the state of Georgia to throw out the votes and uh, give him the electoral votes. So ever since that happened, um, Georgia has been a a big focus um, when it comes to policies relating to um, election law and just overall voter suppression.
0: Right, actually, I, that that's you know, it's funny. It's like that's so not on Georgia specifically. Is is um. There just feels like there's been so many things in the news cycle mm-hmm. that it's hard to even like parse out what is yes. happening in which particular place. So yes. like, I really appreciate the reminder because that was not long ago. Correct. But it feels. <laughs> Like, that was two million years ago um, that that, <laughs> that election were- happened. It was, that was very recently. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, I really appreciate the reminder that that, um, I I don't know why that just feels so surreal that that happened. <laughs> Even though, I think especially because of, you know, living across the country, the, like, the, sh- the sort of shifted focus to January 6th and everything that happened mm-hmm. at the Capitol, I think the news cycle in my you know i'm not in politics purview has sort of shifted to that or like trump's taxes like i feel like Mm -hmm. that this particular part of the story um is getting a little less coverage right now outside of georgia um and that's and that's a huge problem Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. this is the one um I mean, obviously, I don't want to say that over storming the Capitol, but in terms of in terms of effect, in terms of effect mm-hmm. going forward, what you're talking about, the most direct effects will come from that. Sure, and so for folks
1: like myself, so I was one. Of, so let me back up. I serve on the Governmental Affairs Committee, which deals with election law. I was oh, you one. Okay. Yes, yeah. I was one of the two Democrats that stood up to the Trump lawyers when they Thank came you. before. You yeah, have no problem. <laughs> 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 yes, they came before my committee and wow. tried to convince us to throw out the votes. And so when you talk about how everybody has kind of moved on and forgotten, things have been different for me, um, particularly I, yeah. ever since that happened, because, you know, I was on the front lines of fighting what has been the worst attack on democracy, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the country and, and certainly within the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so to this day, I continue to get emails from folks on the right. Emailing saying we need to overturn the 2020 election. And it's just insane. So for me,
0: wow. there's not gonna break. <laughs> I, I so hear you. Can you talk me through what that what can you talk me through this experience? Because mm-hmm. so, you know, I know again, I was watching the results really closely. I remember some of the stuff that was happening, but it would be so different for you because you're you're getting like briefed in a different way, but then also you're like mm-hmm. a part of the actual process. So when did you start? hearing rumblings that like you were going to be hearing be meeting with those lawyers for instance or that you know yes. Trump was going to say so. the lie <laughs> that he was going to lie <laughs> Yeah.
1: So it's interesting. And I'm so glad you asked me this question because the perception outside of Georgia is very different than what actually happened here in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I've been serving on the Governmental Affairs Committee since I was sworn in in 2017 to the Georgia House of Representatives and that committee. So since the time I've been sworn in, I've been fighting all these voter suppression bills. Here's why I'm backing up and I'm telling you this and why I say the perception outside of Georgia is very different than um, the actual truth of what has been going on. Um, the right now, a lot of the folks in the country will talk a lot about them appreciating that Brad Raffensperger, our secretary of state, stood up to Trump and declined to say that the election was um, invalid or had issues. Mm-hmm. What I know from serving on governmental affairs is that Brad Raffensperger, our current secretary of state, was telling the big lie before Trump was. So wow. when you ask me You know, when did I find out that the Trump lawyers were going to appear before our committee and try to get us to throw out the votes? This was something that I expected because I had heard other Republicans within the the state, namely our secretary of state, tell the big lie before Trump was. They have been beating this drum that there is fraud in our elections the entire time that I've been serving in the House of Representatives. Right. Yes. So to me, this was just a natural, Okay. well, if Republicans in our state um, are doing this, and I'm seeing Republicans in other states say, "Hey, we need to, re- you know, our elections are full of fraud, and we need to do all these restrictive voting policies in order to make sure that we have fair um, elections." That has looked like voter suppression in my community as a queer Black woman. That has just turned into voter suppression in my community, and so right. we knew just because of seeing that that continuing trend year after year, year of all these bills meant to restrict access to voting. Um, It was not a surprise to me when we got the notification, which actually it was 2020. It was actually my sister's birthday, December 10th. And we had found out the week before that the Trump lawyers wanted to appear before our committee and they wanted to testify and discuss about the election. And the secretary of state had also um, come on to our committee meeting to say that they wanted to discuss election integrity, which
0: Sounds like a good thing, but it's not. Well, I want to I want to <laughs> stop here for a second because, um, again, you know, this is like a layperson coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm I, what, what specifically, what specifically was presented? Like, what? So, so you like get in this this meeting mm-hmm. or whatever, or even when the Secretary of State is talking, mm-hmm. and. I know we can, you know, I've seen the like blustery just sort of blanket statements like election integrity is a great um, sort of saying the thing without saying the thing situation.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, That thing I -hmm. have heard. But then they get into an actual room with you and you're like an elected official. I'm assuming they have to actually say something that is like more substantive. They have to present anything. They have to like the... Um, I'm I'm imagining it's like I think I'm thinking of the movie It's a Wonderful Life, where all the <laughs> letters to Santa are delivered. Like is it's not any of that. It's not well see so okay,
1: Cameron, and this is why I turned on my camera because your facial expressions <laughs> made me really want to get engaged in this. Um so how you're what you're speaking about would make common sense and sounds very rational. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> And that is the problem. You have added, um, you know, reality into your equation. (laughs) (laughs) And that is that is the problem. So you've got to throw out reality, number one. Okay, got it. And yeah, understand that uh, a lot of what is happening in politics today, particularly on the right, is not about what is actually reality or fact or evidence based. It is just folks throwing out things that don't have to be proven Um, Most of it is untrue and they just move forward with it, move forward with it no matter what. So what they kept telling us year after year was that all of this, you know, that there was fraud in elections, even though they never could come up with any evidence or proof of any fraud happening at any level. But this was always the reason as to why we had to have tighter rules around voting. Like I remember at one point I, I, I read an article talking about how, you know, more people actually vote for American Idol than vote in even the presidential election. And that's important because it just shows you what a low priority voting is for most folks. Fraud is not happening. We- <laughs> now, voting, voting is not a popular enough thing that people would go out of their way to figure out how to do fraud in the election, except the couple of instances where we have found that Republicans have done things to rig elections. Yes. Those have been the examples. And even those examples didn't go very far and were caught easily
0: and never affected an election. Because it's, it's, yeah. (laughs) I think what's like surprising me about this is, I mean, (laughs) I get that maybe this is stupid. I just thought there was something else happening behind closed doors. So like, I understand that it's like, the whole point of it is like you give a speech so that someone can film it so that it can mm-hmm. be like a sound bite so that it can go on Fox News or so that it can go mm-hmm. on social media or whatever. And so then it's almost that thing where, and I'm like so tired, I can't even remember what this is called, but it's like where the evidence is just the fact that you said it to begin with. Like it's like a snake eating its tail situation where if like, yes, you know, then then like Trump is quoting the Secretary of State who's like quoting himself, <laughs> you know, like just on yes. and on. And it's a... Uh,
1: no, Cameron, uh, you're you're not that tired. You got it. That's exactly what it is. They there's are, nothing more than that. There's yes, there's nothing more than that. There's nothing what? behind it.
0: There's no evidence, and it's really. Just, I, I knew there was no evidence, but right. I guess I thought maybe they come in and they, like, fake something. That's what I thought. I didn't think that there was like evidence anywhere. I think I thought mm-hmm. it. Like for instance, like I I think I'm, I'm thinking of the legal system where where mm-hmm. even if like like the you know the it's so clear that the murder right. was perpetrated the mm-hmm. they still deserve a defense right like that's right I'm, so i'm thinking right. about that where it's like defenses are mounted or you know i'm thinking of, i'm thinking about a different system i didn't realize there's nothing else going no on. and
1: i'm glad you brought up the legal system because that is what has actually been help help that's what's been helpful in separating um fact from fiction right and so it's a few things number one in politics um, people are free to make statements that don't have to be backed up with the evidence. In fact, the evidence can show to the contrary of what an elected official is saying. Right. And it's OK. It's not like being in court where you can be convicted of perjury. But since you brought up the legal system, I'm glad you did, because that has been the thing in this entire equation of the attack on democracy, where we have had some type of saving grace. And it has been that when these folks have the Trump lawyers have gone to endless courts, whether it be in Georgia whether it be at the federal level, they keep talking about that there was fraud in the election and that Trump actually won the election. When they go to court, they don't have any evidence that stands up at all. Mm-hmm. And the courts, that's why the courts have consistently thrown these cases out because there's nothing to it. It is a
0: bunch of fluff and it is a bunch of mythology. Right. Then the thing, and this goes back to what you were saying earlier, the thing that is the stuff, the substance of it is that, you know, s- saying all this and then, pa- like passing laws or restrictions, mm-hmm. it does achieve the desired effect. It does. Which is, um, I mean, maybe you can talk to me about exactly. Like this is just general understanding. It's like, yes, fewer Black and Brown folks are going to be able to vote. It's gonna. It's like because of ID restrictions, because mm-hmm. of polling sites being moved out of neighborhoods. Um, because of restriction on the hours that polling sites are open and the types of jobs folks in that particular community might work, they can't get out of work during that time. You know these are like the again it's like a real distant from what your knowledge is. That's kind of what i my understanding is of what folks are trying to do. Is there something else I'm missing? No, you're not. And let's talk about some of the examples of the effect that these
1: uh, restrictions have on our community. So since this is a podcast about the LGBTQ community, let's talk about what it looks like in our community. So some of the things that we saw in the last bill that came through the legislature or the bill that came through the legislature that made National News SB 202, which is a voter restriction bill on steroids. Um, that bill did a few things that directly target our community. Number one, it required you to have a state picture ID in order to be able to vote. So if you think about that from the perspective of a trans individual, it's really difficult um, because of other laws that are on the books that will not allow you to change your ID to how you actually present in life and how you go through life. There are still a lot of states, yes.
0: What's happening in Georgia on that? Is it in Georgia, can you change your ID? No, you cannot change
1: your It's It's still very, very difficult to do that. And so I have a legislative aide who uh, works for me who is a trans man, and he generally uses his passport um, to vote because sometimes the federal laws can be a little more helpful than what a state has decided because right. you know not all laws are consistent. And so that's an example of um, making it harder to vote. Another yeah. thing is... Um, all of the, there's a lot of anti-worker stuff in the voter suppression um, Mm -hmm. that is advanced by Republicans. And that tends to hurt black and brown folks disproportionately, but it also really hurts um, the LGBTQ community because we know that throughout the country and Georgia is one of these places, you can still be fired from your job because you are gay. Okay. So with these bills uh, being in place where you, we don't have protections, um, a lot of times it's hard to get employment and secure employment for some folks, um, knowing that they can easily be fired just for being gay. And so if we are making laws that say, OK, well, between you can only vote a- around these certain um, hours and we're going to restrict the amount of time that folks have to vote and we're going to restrict early voting and we're going to restrict the use of drop boxes and we're going to re- we're just going to make it very, very difficult to vote. Yes. Um It makes it harder for folks who already have other challenges going on. Here's another basic example. Let me just make it very basic. The bill also sets has a new provision in it that says if you need to vote with a provisional ballot, which is typically what happens when, let's say you live in a state where you have to vote at a specific precinct. You can't just go anywhere in the county that you live, but you have a specific precinct that you have to vote at. If you move, that means you likely will have to vote at a different precinct than what you form- what you previously voted at, okay? So because we know that workers, the lower amount of money that you make, it keeps folks moving, um, having to move chasing affordable rent, it means that you are more likely to have to move. So in the case of the LGBTQ right. community, if you have to move more because you can be fired any day for being gay and you also can be put out of ri- landlords don't have to rent to you. It's okay to discriminate against gay people. Um, That's still legal. It's not okay morally, but it is still legal. Um, Those types of things, if if you're in a situation where you are having to move, whether it's because you lost your job or because your landlord doesn't want to rent to a gay couple or gay person, then you trying to vote, it's going to be very, very difficult because if you're moving more than folks who are not a part of the LGBTQ community and folks who are making higher wages. So what that sets up is it's a very confusing system as to figuring out which precinct you should be voting at. And if you don't get it right, bills like SB 202 say that your vote can literally be, be thrown t- in the trash. Tossed in the trash. I mean, that's yes. wild.
0: I'm so, I'm so, um, you mm-hmm. know, spoiled because I previously lived in, you know, I grew up, I grew up in Chicago. Um, and i voted with an absentee ballot like almost immediately because i lived in boston when i could first vote but i but my permanent address was in illinois and then you know as a californian for now the last decade i abs- i like do a mail in ballot even when i'm home because my work schedule is so in flux that like i just do it that way it's like it just then it's just always going to be possible Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm the exact person that is having the opposite slash like ease of use that we could all be having experience. I've, I've had it pretty much the whole time I could vote. Um, and I'm sure. And it's, I'm so I, so I know how Mm -hmm. easy the system can be if folks are at all motivated to make it easy. Which... And so the point that you just brought up, it is a lot
1: easier for a trans person to vote absentee mm-hmm. than it is in person, because in person, mm-hmm. someone's looking at your ID. And if your ID doesn't match how you're presenting, yeah. it's going to come down to whether or not the poll worker believes you mm-hmm. and, and, and wants you to vote. Like it, there's yes. going to be a challenge. Right. So a lot of trans folks will vote absentee because it is a way to make sure that your dignity is not harmed in just trying to vote, just trying to exercise your right to vote. Um, it is a way to make sure that you it, you will have a higher chance of your vote actually being counted, and they are Republicans are systematically going after absentee um, voting, and they're doing that right. because that during the pandemic Black Brown LGBTQ voters showed up in massive numbers through absentee voting because they did not want to get COVID, and that was what you know, won the election. And so this is what I tell folks. Basically, on the right, this is what is happening. Black and brown folks showed up to make sure that a committed white supremacist would not be reelected as president. And because we had such an impact on that vote, now Republicans are making it their business to make sure that black and brown folks will never have that power ever again. Mm -hmm. It's just as simple as that.
0: And also- has always been the case as the vote was was one was and it shouldn't even, that's not like the that shouldn't even be the right verb you know as as more folks had the ability to like this is there's never been a time this hasn't been true I guess what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say it's just that, like right now it's uh it's just so openly there's this like new narrative of this mm-hmm. stolen election that just supports behavior that's been there the whole time so it's just it's just the new version of the same shit that's um, right yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is wild that, mm-hmm. that this is, that, you know, you're so close to this. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs>
1: Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh,
0: nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. So I don't know everything about, I certainly don't know everything about Georgia. I've I've shot stuff there a couple times, and I've also performed there as a stand-up comic. So it's like, you know, it's, When I've shot stuff there, I've lived there for like a couple weeks at a time and I like to walk around a lot or maybe, you know, try to I just really like to see a city when I am in a city. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like even though I haven't spent so much time in Atlanta, I've like seen a lot of it for the amount of time that I've been there. I'm very curious about what like what is the major industry in Atlanta right now? Is it television and film or is there another
1: thing? Television and film has been a big boom to the Georgia economy. So it's not just the metro area. It's not just Atlanta. Um, there are right. lots of shows that film in South Georgia. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. yes. Like The Walking Dead. Yes. And others. And so, like, recently, I'll just mention this because, you know, it's people are paying attention to this now. And it's one of the shows I watch. But Ozark's filmed in Atlanta. So, or in Georgia. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of been, stuff is shooting. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thanks
0: for that. Yes. Georgia yeah. at large.
1: Yes. And one of the things that conservatives frequently complain about um, is that they don't like all of the all of this new entertainment um, sort of industry coming exact, to Georgia because yeah. it's changing the culture of Georgia. <laughs> right. So what do, what do which you think goes about back that? to voting. I think that it it goes back to voting. They want to make sure that uh, they're they're looking. It's exactly what Trump said about, you know, uh, we all knew that the dog whistle of making America great again um, was just a dog whistle of less diversity. And let's just keep it, Mm -hmm. you know, straight, male, pale time. And that is what that's what that sentiment is about in not wanting um, too much diversity to come into Georgia. So there are complaints about all these people from California in the film industry. It's just bringing those kinds of people here and it's changing, you know, Georgia. It's changing the culture of Georgia when the reality is Georgia's culture um, has always been diverse. And a lot of folks will look at Georgia and say, oh my gosh, you know, look at what happened. They were able to, you know, go blue in the 2020 election and with the U.S. Senate seats. But the reality is folks have been here. Uh um, People have been doing community organizing like myself. And so we have been here trying to make our voices heard. This did not happen overnight. We have been here. We will not be leaving here. And our vo- we will continue to make sure that our vo- voices are
0: heard. Yeah, I mean, I think that's <laughs> also, I guess I also wonder when somebody would say that, like, what Georgia are Are they even talking about? Because, like, are they talking about white Georgia? If they're saying it? Yes. Is that what they're yes. talking about? Yes, because, they are. yo, I'm just going to say, I... <laughs> I I have yet to really find white Georgia. I'm sure it's there. Right. But I feel like, um, (laughs) I feel like, (laughs) I haven't, I haven't, look, I get that like localized money and localized power can misrepresent, because that's what's so funny. It's like, you know, a a person who has a huge impact in um, the television film industry, like one of the first people, Tyler Perry, it's, like, that. that is not, I think, what anybody is talking about when they're saying, like, oh, those, like, entertainment industry people coming in here, like, that's coded for, like, white, liberal, you know, in my Mm -hmm. estimation. That's, like, white, liberal, vegan, whatever, you know what I mean? You got it. You got it. it it. So they're not talking about Tyler Perry, but, like, that's a person who's making a massive impact and who was one of the first people to make massive Mm -hmm. impact and investment in that community. So you know and then it's also a community that that reflects a lot of the stuff i mean anyway this right am i am right about this <laughs> am i am i might i don't i don't know shit about georgia but i just have no, I, right. I have looked out of my eyes and i have had my ears open <laughs> and it seems like that's what's going on you are
1: right. You said at the beginning of this that you were tired, and so maybe it might be hard for you to keep up. Let me tell you,
0: you're not tired. You're right <laughs> on <the> point. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. even in the in the state house, can I ask you, like, what what is the general demographic breakdown? Like, how sure. unusual are you for your like for being a black queer woman? Like, is it you? Are you the one? Are there are there other like f- folks? That, that are
1: so when I came so uh, close when I came in in 2017, I think there were five openly LGBTQ folks serving at the state level and none. Mm-hmm. So we were all in the House of Representatives mm-hmm. and there was none in the Senate. Mm-hmm. As of the last two years, I think that the numbers have grown to maybe about seven. And we have one senator who is a um, black lesbian woman. And like, so,
0: numbers wise in the state house, it's oh, like, yeah, sure. how many so,
1: people is that? Yeah. So in the house of representatives where I serve, we've got 180 people. Wow. And so yeah. only so about tiny... five of us yeah. are <laughs> right LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. And then in the Senate, um, they've got 53. And so you've got one gay person over there. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, the numbers are very, very, very small. And we also have never elected a um, LGBTQ candidate ever statewide in Georgia's history. So my candidacy running for lieutenant governor is historical for many reasons because Georgia has never elected a Black woman statewide in its history, certainly never elected a Black woman. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, (laughs) wait, I'm sorry. Can you say what you just said again? What did you just say? Georgia has never elected a Black woman statewide in its history. For any office. For any yes. office. That's correct. So all of the constitutional officers, think about governor, lieutenant governor, which I'm running for, secretary of state, agriculture commissioner, insurance commissioner, attorney general. We have almost exclusively had nothing but white, straight men in those what, positions. Do, do you
0: know? I mean, you probably just know this. I mean, otherwise, like, what is the dem- demographic wise in Georgia? Can you, can you, can you yes. give me the Black people.
1: With the new uh, census that just came out um, last year, we added almost a million more Georgians and it was almost all uh, black and brown. But even before the census, black people were about 30% of the Georgia population. So that makes my point earlier. We have been here and -hmm. we have been trying to get our voices out. Um, It is just the case that finally we are able to have some breakthroughs. So that's just looking at black representation Georgia has also never elected a person of an LGBTQ background statewide. So in fact, we are still, so when Stacey Abrams um, got the nomination in 2018 for the Democrats for governor, that was made, that made history yes. because we had never had a black woman get the nomination for governor um, anywhere in the country. Okay. So yes, I re- that I made, in this moment was, yeah. Yeah. Georgia history and it made national history. We have never had a LGBTQ person get the nomination for any statewide election. So if I just win the primary, I've already made history.
0: Wow. Wow. (laughs) Even if I don't go on to win the general. Wow. Okay. So here's another thing. Again, this is like anecdotal. So I'm curious about your experience. Mm, The times I've done stand-up in Atlanta where it was like, and I haven't done it I've been other places of Georgia, in Georgia, but I haven't done stand-up elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've done it, like, places where it's a big theater and the people that are there are there to see me. And then that kind of automatically selects a bit of a queerer audience or, like, everybody at the very... Like, nobody's... Like, homophobes are not paying to show up to a theater to see me do stand-up. It's just, like, not happening. But when I've performed at clubs there, I did find... I found it challenging. I found it more challenging than I expected for the size city it is and for the sort of national importance it has. Um, I think I expected a little bit more of a, and this is years ago now, but I think I just expected a different sort of reception. Um, and instead people were like kind of weirded out. And I was surprised by that. And I'm curious So this isn't to say, of course, there's a community. There's a there's queer community everywhere. And Mm -hmm. I know specifically Atlanta has a huge and vibrant Mm -hmm. queer community. But I'm talking about outside of that, like the sort of general atmosphere. Um, Could you speak to that a little bit? And because it does matter a lot also in what you're talking Mm -hmm. about for yourself. Yeah, I think
1: because we have seen so much homophobia um, across the state, whether it be in elected leaders who are allowed to stay Um, even after making ridiculous statements. And I'll talk about that in just a second. um, Seeing the level of fight that it takes just to make sure that you're not getting fired because you're gay, make sure that you're not getting um, denied housing because you're gay and fight all of the different types of oppression that are totally legal in Georgia and that no one will care if it happens to you. Um, I think it makes it difficult to get folks to um, proactively identify. And that is why I always say openly LGBTQ, because we know that there have been, you know, I'm not the first, you know, to to serve. The the ones who are open now, who are visible now, those of us who are openly LGBTQ serving in the state house uh, and the Senate, uh, we have not been the first, but others have you know, have been there and Mm -hmm. they have been afraid to identify because there was always so much oppression. So I know this sounds like it has nothing to do with nightclubs, but I'll give you an example of how this kind of does correlate to what you're asking about. I remember, I think it was my third year in the legislature, we had a representative who actually was the wife of, um, remember Tom Price, the HSS secretary from years ago? The National Health and Human Services Secretary under Trump was like in the beginning of rings the Trump about, administration. Like, oh
0: my god! The, mm-hmm. Try to even remember the beginning of the Trump administration. <laughs> I know. So I know. Yeah. many things happened. You want to forget it? Yeah. What, but, but it's also like it's also like every day. So
1: many things. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> I'm going to remind you of one thing that happened. Please. So, <laughs> yes. So. Trump had uh, Tom Price, who was the um, Health and Human Services Secretary, um, uh, who in the beginning of his administration, his wife, Betty Price, who was a doctor, was serving in the Georgia House of Representatives. She literally said in the health committee that the um, epidemic of folks who are living with HIV in Georgia was so high that it is that possibly we should quarantine folks who have HIV so that the rest of the community will be protected. Wow. Something to consider, possibly quarantining folks. So when you see that somebody like that is allowed to operate, and not only operate, they are your elected official, it really tamps down, you know, some folks having the courage to be loud and proud and live their most authentic lives and be their most authentic selves. Because you're just trying to survive. You don't have
0: time for gay entertainment. I mean... No, I mean that's that's kind of what I was saying. It's like, well, but you know the thing that I will that I will that experience of like coming out on stage, and if that feels weird, usually indicates to me that this would feel weird. You know, I I'm always very focused on like, and I usually say this on stage. It's like I'm gonna leave. You're all you all live here, and like a lot of times that's that could be said with joy. Like if I have an opener that's a local opener, and I'll be like. So you get to support that person. Because, like, it's so nice that you're here tonight. But, like, that's actually who, you know, is here forever. And, like, they'll do local shows in town. Um, but I think that can also... Ha- the other side of that can be, like, this real shitty, like, oh, I I, I get to leave. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, many people choose to stay places for a zillion reasons. They love it. They don't want to leave. That's where their family is. It's their history. Or they are not afforded that opportunity there's a zillion reasons um but yeah i feel like it always it sinks my heart a little bit when it's like when it's that it it has felt really rough there yeah
1: so let me pick let me pick your heart up and let me tell you why i decided to come out because i came out. tell me um, probably about seven months after I was elected, came out politically to the mm-hmm. entire world. And the reason why I did it because it is exactly because of what you just talked about. So some of us are relentless. My colleagues who know me know that I'm relentless and not easily um, deterred or scared. I came out because it was after, again, the beginning of the Trump administration, because, so I got elected um, the same night that Trump got elected. So my entire political career has been Lots of fights and lots of having to defend us. So fast forward to, remember when Nikki Haley was representing us at the United Nations and a story came out, yes, saying that she failed to condemn, uh, uh, failed to support, she failed to condemn a resolution that um, would allow other countries to uh, stone or kill folks for being gay. So there was a resolution that basically said, you know, you should not... um, You that in some countries for the crime of what they consider to be a crime of adultery, um, having same sex relations, um, folks could be stoned to death over this. Right. This is 2016. I don't know why we're still talking about stoning, but okay. Um, (laughs) Nikki Haley in representing the United States failed to condemn that. And so I decided to come out because I really felt like we must make folks understand that, you know, gay folks are part of elected government. We are here. We're not going anywhere. And also, you don't know who is gay. So I went from, you know, before I was elected, I was a community organizer and also a successful business executive. My original campaign did not focus on anything about me personally. It wasn't about my family. It wasn't about who I was personally. And I would tell folks that I've always said, you don't need to worry about who your elected officials are personally. You need to be concerned about policy. Listen to what they're saying about policy. That is what you need to focus on, not the smiling and kissing babies. So I never centered myself in my original campaign. That and seeing that with Nikki Haley made me understand why representation actually matters and that it was important Mm -hmm. that I did come out. And make sure that people understood that you do have a voice in government that is here to protect you.
0: Right. Yeah. It's that it's that the personal is political thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And it made it real for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I'm so glad that you did. You know, I I know. I mean, I feel very grateful just as a person, but also I would imagine that, like, psychically and psychologically, this would be a hard time to work in government and not, you know put yourself forward in that way?
1: For some folks, for some folks,
0: yeah. Serving
1: under a obviously racist, obvious homophobic um, administration, it, it definitely can be difficult. I am a natural fighter. And so having that community organizing background really prepared me to come in and know what I was going to be up against. And so, right. like I said before, my colleagues know that I'm relentless. And if you mess with my community, you
0: will have hell to pay. That's just the bottom <laughs> <Yes>. line. <laughs> I think what I mean is it actually, mm-hmm. it seems like it would have been very difficult to not make this choice that you made. It's like, it, it is brave and, and I'm sure it was very stressful to, to come out, but it also I can't, I, it, it almost seems like it might've been worse if to, to just work for, work under that administration and, like, say nothing. I, I mean, that's, that's, I look at the people that are now, like, writing their shitty books or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. not even members of the community. I just mean, the people that went along with it, mm-hmm. like, they know what they did. And I, and um, not that you would have been condoning things. It's more so just, like, I'm really, I feel, I feel happy for you that you got to be yourself um, under those conditions. Because that feels yeah. important.
1: Well, and I do think and and this is kind of a complaint that I have about the left, which is that not enough folks are too many folks are willing to just um, run away from fights and willing to kind of do what you're saying. So I know from the outside, it may look like, well, it would have been worse to sit there in silence and not, you know, be up front. But no, there are plenty of elected officials that are happy to run away from the fights every day. I am not one of those folks because I understand that. We will receive justice oh, on exactly nothing. I never even thought of, of that, things. though.
0: That's so funny yeah. you say that. It's like, I'm not one of those people either. Right. So as you say that, I'm like, I'm. it's sort of sinking in that that's a, an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, because nobody was questioning my sexuality. Nobody was questioning oh, me. God. I wasn't being
1: black male. It was none of that. None of that. So right. people, right. And that was the reason why I felt like I needed to come out because oh, representation So in my personal life, folks knew, but it was not something that I talked about regularly, like in the, uh, that I talked about in the political space, because again, it wasn't about me. But to your point, that is how the personal becomes political.
0: And then what about now? You know, as you're, as you're running again, is it something that feels important to,
1: I mean, I are already
0: out, but I just mean to like, Absolutely. Because for me, I also will say, I think about this, oh my God, I hate when, Whenever there's like judges that are being appointed Mm -hmm. or elected, like this is this is one of those things that comes up a lot with judges where we're I mean, it just happened in the Supreme Court where it's like if somebody carries Mm -hmm. any identity that isn't white, straight, cis dude, then the questions are about like, will your identity get in the way where it's instead it should be like clearly Mm -hmm. many different identities should be present in judgeships, because that will make it more (laughs) equitable. Like clearly, like clearly. And and let me, yeah, let me
1: tell you, I'm not somebody who, you can call it identity politics, whatever you want to call it. I am not somebody who runs away from living at the center of all these identities. I do Mm -hmm. tell folks regularly that it is still the case that our government and policy reflects the folks who have been able to vote the longest in our democracy. And that is white, straight evangelical men. And that is wrong. We have the power to reach for policy, that impact that will be good for all of us. And we have the power to reach for policy and for representation that reflects all of us. So I would pay any reporter any day to ask me a similar question about, well, do my identities make me advocate more for my community? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I know. Any other questions? That (laughs) phrase, that phrase identity politics is it makes it's it's a little bit of a. It's nails on the chalkboard of my soul mm-hmm. because it's like, what are you talking about? What exists right. outside of that? Right. What is the thing that exists outside of that? Point our to entire it. but also our entire
1: government has been identity politics. It's been the of identity course. politics of white straight men. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's yes. an identity. It's not the default. Yes, it's an identity.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so how when you when you made this decision to come out, how was that received? How'd that go? Um, I
1: think that, so the local uh, political LGBTQ community and also the uh, non-political LGBTQ community, um, they were very happy about it because of course with such little representation, um, it was good to have more representation. Plus folks already knew my background. They knew me as a fighter. They knew me as somebody who um, is very direct and very invested in policy. So folks were just more assured that I could protect um, the community even better, and so yeah. I mean, I, I I'm sure people probably had bad thing had you know snarky things to say. Um, you know, probably I don't know. I guess underneath their breath, but I'll say this: they were smart enough not to directly say that to me. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So you've said many times that you're a fighter, and I am too. I'm a fighter too. Um, one thing that I have been working on lately is. The opposite of that. I don't need more fight. I've like I've got so much fight in me that I actually need for me personally. Like I need de-escalation stuff. I need like chilling out stuff. I need the opposite of. I know there's some people who might be, you know, it's like they really need a fire lit under their ass. For me, it's like, does anyone have a fire extinguisher? I Like <laughs> I can. I you know, it's hard for me to sit with myself sometimes. And so I I, whenever I find somebody that has this in their personality, I always want to ask, like, what you do to take care of yourself and to like, how do you balance that? And especially with a job where it's so important, like what Mm -hmm. you're doing is so important. So you take somebody who already is this fighter, but then you give them a job where the fight matters that much and Mm -hmm. where there's that much fight required. And I would imagine you could just ramp up to a thousand every single day if you wanted to. So what do you do to to stay healthy and grounded?
1: So it's a few things. Number one, um, I will say I, and I've noticed this, it is not as personally taxing on me as I you know, watch it become personally taxing on others because oh, that's great. I am. An, I, I've naturally always been relentless and having that community organizing background means that I have had the experience of having to advanced policy that people may not immediately accept or understand. Hence why you have to do community organizing because it's not already popular. So I do think having that background has made things um, easier for me, but you're right. It does take a toll. It is stressful and it does impact your life. So there are a few things that I do. I'm going to show you my family picture because my family has been a big part of why I do everything that I do. I don't know if you can oh, see that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's me, my mom, my sister and my um, new little niece. <laughs> oh,
0: wow.
1: Beautiful. <laughs> and that was us just a couple of years ago. Um, so I spent a lot of family time. Oh. I also like to just do different activities. Um, I like to do crafts around the house. I also so that was in my launch video, my my video for um, launching for lieutenant governor. I was refinishing a table. I also like to take soaking baths oh. so i do that a lot
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah wow so, i mean yeah. thanks for sharing all that okay here's a question ready mm-hmm. and forgive me please okay what does a lieutenant governor do
1: no you know what you don't need to be forgiven for that question because literally most people do not know <laughs> so you're not
0: in the it, dark you it means you're me. in line for the governorship yes it means a few things. Yes. So
1: even people who are heavily political don't know what lieutenant governor does. So lieutenant governor is uh, think about it like the federal level. You have the president and you have the vice president. Mm. What well, the state level, the governor is the president of the state. The lieutenant governor is like the vice president of the state. So your second you if anything happens to the governor, you're up. And that's what happened recently in New York with Governor Cuomo when he resigned. Right. And then Kathy had to step up right, because yep, she was lieutenant governor. Um, So that's an example of what lieutenant governor does. But you also preside over the Senate. So that's another thing. Like the vice president,
0: as you're saying. Exactly. Got it. Exactly.
1: And if there's a tie in the Senate, the lieutenant governor. Yes, you have to vote for that. And you get to appoint the chairs of the committees, which is really important because, yeah. Like, so let's say, for example, and this would be a good example we, let's say Democrats are able to take control of the state of Georgia in these upcoming 2022 elections. We could advance a non discrimination bill that would make it illegal to fire people because they are gay, illegal to deny someone housing because they are gay. And you would want to make sure that that would go through a committee of somebody who has your same values of wanting right. to see that advance and a fighter who will make sure that the bill actually makes it through committee. I would get to decide who's the chair of the committee. What so, committee would that be? What is that committee? Is that it called? could be. It, yeah. So th- there are a bunch of different committees on the House and the Senate side um, that would likely go through like a governmental affairs committee. So K- one that K- deals K- with committee the
0: committee <laughs> not a gay committee no it's not why isn't there me. one that should be no can I also ask you another question what is that's why you're a comedian so, A but, gay. but com- many of these things that you're saying it's like I just accept them as everything that makes like I've just heard them my whole life but then I uh-huh. realized like I don't know what that is when you're like preside over the senate I'm like yeah 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 preside over the senate but like what does that mean does that mean you gavel in like what does yes. it mean what yes. does preside over the senate mean so
1: you gavel in the Senate, you make sure that uh, bills are heard on the floor, you get to allow folks to speak. So you basically just run the operation. Like you up. run the meeting? Yeah, The, yes, the yes, meeting yes. of the
0: Senate? Exactly. Yes. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. What the yeah. heck? Okay. <laughs> and can you, if you're running the meeting, can you like not call on someone you don't like? That's correct. You could. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Got it.
1: The lieutenant governor also gets to make over 100 different appointments. So that's why I talk a lot about changing the face of government. Yeah, because so frequently. So here's a great example. Um, Recently, Georgia did legalize um, the sale of medical marijuana. And in order to do that, you have to set up licenses of which businesses will be allowed to grow it, like licenses to grow it, process it and then sell it. The committee that dealt with handing out licenses, um, there were appointments that the lieutenant governor got to make. So right. that committee decides who's going to get a license. That's kind of important.
0: Yeah. Yes. Especially as we talk about like, I mean, I'm just thinking, I mean, that, that makes me go in a zillion different places thinking about like the contention that's already happening in Georgia around race. And then mm-hmm. who right. goes to prison for the same thing that the other person is doing legally. Mm-hmm. Blah. Um, wow. Okay. What are some of the other hundred appointments? What are you appointing? it's mostly boards um sometimes um
1: it will be recommendations for who should become a judge um so who's was going to ask if us
0: see that stuff is really important mhm I'm, i know no, I'm, yeah as i'm like telling you but like <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can
1: change the face of government just through appointments mhm so then we would have the case that it wouldn't just be a few of us who are openly LGBTQ serving in government. We could actually have
0: way more. Yeah, you're going to appoint 100 <laughs> gay people, right? <laughs> we'll 100, just turn it well, hundred uh, yeah. <laughs> percent of your appointments will be queer. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> um, it's been really nice talking to you. I, I really am um, so happy that I just I like you. I'm really glad you're doing this job. This is great. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, And for folks that are listening that would like to support you in some way, how can they support you?
1: Yes. So we have our primary election coming up um, May 24th, which is, you know, less than 10 days away. And um, there are nine people in this race. Uh, Of course, I'm the only um, openly LGBTQ person in this race. As I said before, this would be history making. Um, They can go to RenitaShannon.com and make a donation and also share the campaign because the more media the campaign gets, the easier it is to fundraise. And that helps with getting out my message to voters. Because this is a broad race, there's going to be likely a runoff. Um, all the polls show that I will be in the runoff. And so I'm going to need everyone's ongoing support
0: um, to help you know get the word out about the campaign. Awesome. So. Thanks, Renita. Uh, or actually, wait, hang on. Like, state rep shannon right that's what i should call you yeah (laughs) ready to spy yeah (laughs) um but it's now we're friends yeah (laughs) it's it's (laughs) true um but it's it's been really nice to meet you and um i wish you all the best on the 24th
1: this has been so much fun thank you for having me yeah
0: my pleasure